0: Season three of the Options Save Lives podcast is brought to you with the support of our presenting sponsor, R Street Institute, and is hosted by Executive Director Jenny Williamson. All right. Today we have Bruce Rose with us from Alcohol Recovery Scotland and our very own Your Sinclair Method coaching program. Welcome back to the show, Bruce please introduce yourself to our audience and share a little bit about your background, helping people access and successfully navigate the Sinclair Method.
1: Okay, big question.
0: <laughs> I'm not starting you off with a softball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, who am I? I? My name is Bruce Rose. I run Alcohol Recovery Scotland here in in scotland but I, I work with clients all over the uk and parts of europe and singapore at the moment um so yeah so uh, my background was alcohol and drug rehab center management um that was my background i came from abstinence based training um uh in amongst the rehab centers we worked with um aaca smart meetings all the other peer support groups, all the other abstinence based support groups, the government ones. Um, <clears throat> we we did see success. Um, not huge amounts when you compare it with the Sinclair Method, but we we had some success in it. Um, long story short, uh, I was trying to find some funding to restart one of the rehab, rehab centres here in Scotland. And I went on the internet and I was looking around, and there's a young lady called Claudia Christian that did a... A ted talk and i sat and watched it and i switched it off halfway through and i was fuming is to say the the least and i said what an absolute utter load of rubbish and and lots of things go through your head uh, i've been through loads of training with the rehab centers if i i was a manager didn't you know and if i was a manager of a rehab i would know all about this and all that kind of rubbish um Long story short, something made me go back to it the next day and listen to the end of it. And then there was enough of an interest to go and do a little bit more research in it. And then the more research I did, the more sense it made. And I think every time I spoke to Claudia after that, the first thing I did was apologize to her. And I said to Claudia, I'm so sorry, (laughs) but I think she's probably used to it by now. So, Um, so yeah. And then uh, again, a long story short, I left the job I was in at the moment, at the time, in the rehab center and started working with clients exclusively on the Sinclair method. Um, and I have never seen, uh, I I genuinely believe today that the Sinclair method as of today, 2022 is the best option for alcohol recovery in the world bar none. Um, and that's after three years of working with clients exclusively. Um, does it work for everyone? No. But the success rate is miles and miles and miles ahead of any of the peer support groups and rehab centers that, that are available. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that <clears throat> what I said, I, I genuinely believe it's it is the best option um, for hundreds and hundreds of reasons um, So yeah, that was a, a brief a brief answer to your big question. <laughs>
0: Well, in the past, when you've been on our show, we've talked about the support process that you use to guide people through their alcohol recovery journey on the Sinclair Method. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. One of the things we hear so often is, why haven't I ever heard of the Sinclair Method before? So I want to take this episode to talk with you about some of the challenges. And let's face it, there are a lot of them that make quick, widespread knowledge of the Sinclair Method a bit difficult. So, you talked a little bit about how you first learned about the Sinclair Method. You found a TEDx video online on YouTube. How does that experience, hearing about the Sinclair Method, different from how information on treatments is usually shared in the addiction community?
1: Mm. Oh, completely different, completely different. I, and I, I think half of the challenge with TSM is it's what's the expression? It's it's success as it's done for. Um, because when I've gone when I first heard about it and i I worked with a few clients initially for the first twelve months, and then I went back to a lot of the people that I worked with in the rehab world. And I was so excited about what I'd, one, what I'd found. And two, not the fact that I'd found it, but the fact that it worked, it genuinely worked. It did what it said on the tin. And I went back to all the people that i would worked with in the rehab world. And I said, listen, and I said, this is how it works. It does this, it does this, it does this. The success rate is so high. If you do this and that, the medication breaks down the pathway, all the kind of the, the neuroscience for it all. Um, And to this day, three years later, I am yet to find somebody in that industry here in the UK and Scotland that wants to listen. Um, and I try not to think of overthink it too much because it's, it's sad. It it is really, really sad that we have an industry or a, a place where there are genuine people who, who I worked with, who would have done anything for a client's recovery, anything. Um, but they have been so, <clears throat> I don't want to use the word indoctrinated, but we, we've we, we've never moved on from 1935, from when AA have done a fantastic job since way back in the 1930s. But unfortunately, we haven't moved on from the 1930s. And to try and change that mindset right the way through rehab, right the way through government, right the way through the recovery world, um is a very, very difficult thing to do. And even the number of times when I speak to people and I say, listen, the success rate is huge. They, I, I could never understand why people didn't just just jump in. It. I, I had a meeting with the Scottish government recently and in my naivety, I expected them to have a limousine at my front door the next day and drive me to the, the government offices and give me anything I wanted to show them how the program worked. Um, and they weren't interested. And I'm thinking, well, what is going on here? <laughs> um, and if it was something that I just invented or came up with last week, then I could completely understand it. This is just one of Bruce's hairbrain ideas and w- will it work and will it stay and everything else. But when it comes with the the clinical trials, over 125 clinical trials, there's 25 to 30 years of research before we even started, you guys started doing what you did. And then other people are now sort of following your your lead. Um, uh, it's it just I, I I don't know. Sometimes I just sit there. Sometimes and go, wow. But what I do know is that, and again, I always say this when I come on the show that the the work that you and Claudia have done for worldwide TSM is mind blowing um, because. I I, always, I genuinely believe that people who pioneer things initially do not get the credit and the praise that they that they should. It's always the people that come at the back of it that get get all the credit and everything else because like, hey, it's really good. But the work that you and Claudia have done that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I know other people in the TSM world worldwide would not be doing what they're doing if it wasn't for the C3 Foundation. Um, so don't know what you're doing, guys, but keep doing it. <laughs>
0: well thank you Um, yeah so when you know when you were still in the abstinence based treatment world was there anything new that that was communicated in in the realm of treatment at all and if so how did that how did that make its way through the channels from uh, hey this is out there to hey maybe we should try this
1: I, from the rehab centers that I worked in, they're all funded by government. So, um, or they're funded by private funders. So a lot of what they do is in line with what the funders are asking them to provide. So even if something came along that they believed in and they liked and they supported it and everything else, the, the amount of money that you're talking about to run a rehab is, is hundreds of thousands of, of pounds if, um, or close to a million. To run a rehab, it'll be close to a million dollars a year um, to run uh, a smaller, small 10-bed small unit or 10-bed residential unit. Um, <clears throat> so to have that, most of the time, if they've got two or three of them, you're talking millions of pounds. And funding is normally given... Um, on the guarantee that, that an organization does this, 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 and this. Um, and, and I think a lot of the funding, the minute you try and go to all the funders who are gonna put all that kind of money into something and you say, we have a new idea, then all of a sudden the funding, they're not so keen to throw the money at it. And if, if an organization is existing already that have 50 staff, 100 staff, 200 staff, they also have the responsibility for all these staff so change is n- next to impossible, um, in my opinion, in in that kind of world, because it would take years. It, and it does happen slowly. But again, they're using the model that they used when they first started in the 1980s or the 1990s, and they haven't really changed the model because that's what the funding is, has has driven the work to do. Um, so it just needs it needs new funding, um, for new organizations, but that in itself is, I'm finding here in the UK, is, is hard to come by.
0: And that sounds like a a pretty widespread systemic issue if they're funding things simply because the existence of them already uh, and to maintain that status quo.
1: Mm. And the, the Scottish government at the moment have just decided that they were going to throw another i can't remember what the figure was i'm I'm guessing but another 100 million pounds at the the situation here which which sounds great but what they've done is they've just invested that extra money that they're putting into the current models now the current models are running at about six to eight percent um success rate so which is great for those six to eight percent but That there's no, and I'm not. We have to keep them going for the people that do that do succeed through that, but it would have been much more or wiser, in my opinion, was to take a section of that cash and put it into new, to different models or different ideas. I mean, you know yourself, there are lots of different sciences moving forward, medicines moving forward, Um, and I I always say that that we need to start moving out of a model that was created from the 1930s. Um, and it, not that there's anything, it's, it's done its time, it's done amazing work for a lot of people. But if if we have the knowledge that we have today from science and medicine and from practical working with people from working projects like yourselves and what we do here in Scotland, then there needs to be at least discussions, I think. At least discussions, if not to, to take things forward.
0: Yeah, and it's a shame that, um, that they see the Sinclair Method as an either or, because as you've seen, the Sinclair Method is very versatile and can be used alongside mm. other treatments and other medications. Can you talk about that a mm. little bit?
1: I, funny enough, I was actually speaking to someone today um and we were talking about my experience in rehab management and the reason i went back to the rehabs that i worked with or the the ones that the organizations i knew was that a rehab center is that they'll they'll take somebody into the rehab center because it's abstinence they put them through a detox they put them through a six month three month six month 12 month program whatever the, the the rehab is and then, uh, and all the work they do in there is very, very good, but what they're not doing is they're not dealing with the neurological condition that is creating the addiction in the first place. So a lot of the work they're doing is very, very good work, but if you don't deal with the neurological condition that's creating the addiction in the first place, then the relapse is not guaranteed. But it's there's a very, very, very high chance of relapse. So I, I had a son that most people. That i work with you you can work quite comfortably at home in their own environment so they don't have to go into a rehab center but i i think things like when you when you get uh we would classify them as chronic drinkers in this country that people are drinking sort of 24 7 or or they're drinking sort of a bottle of hard liquor a day or or that kind of level um i i think that working with a rehab center would or organizations like that would work so well because if you had a rehab center where you could bring in people who are chronic drinking chronically, you, you could actually detox them and then start them on the Sinclair method, or if it was a safe level, bring them down. And when they get down to the, the, the lower levels, you can then have a telephone team or an online telehealth organization that would then look after those people once they've left. Um, and you, you, you could, it would be amazing. Um, and, but, we we call it uh, there's a huge thing in this country and i imagine it's the same in the states where the different organizations just don't talk or work together um because of funding because of everything else now if if we went to some of the doctors here in the uk and said listen okay some people will benefit by going into rehab some people will benefit with going to aa but um They'll they'll never do it. And AA is a really, really good example because they they have built their whole foundation on abstinence and 12 steps and everything else. Now, you can imagine if we introduced naltrexone into AA, um, the the success rate would go through the roof um, because you've got an AA organization that that are looking after the people. Lots of people are coming to them. And if you had different groups where people could come along who were still drinking and could then use that meeting to talk about TSM and and how do I go through my habits and how do I change this and how do I stay compliant, do a similar kind of meeting um, on the back of that, then it, it, the potential of it is incredible, but it, it's, it's how do you knit it all together? And <laughs> that's what it needs. It needs somebody somewhere with the skill and knowledge to to do that and probably the funds.
0: So we've talked about some of the barriers in the addiction treatment industry, and a lot of those sound as though they are tied to funding and governmental policy. So if you're the average Scottish person who wants to try to start the Sinclair Method, say they don't know about Alcohol Recovery Scotland, they've just heard about the Sinclair Method and they don't really know where to go. What is the average person going to have to go through in their long and winding journey from finding out about the Sinclair Method to actually being able to access it? Just from a policy standpoint.
1: Oh, a policy. I mean, from a policy standpoint, um, if they've heard about about the Sinclair method, um, getting medication in this country is, is a lot lot harder than than USA. Um, there there are private doctors who there are private doctors in London that will do it, um, but they're very very expensive. Uh, again, I don't know what it's like in the states, but it's it's probably on average about two hundred and. Eighty, two hundred and ninety, three hundred dollars for a consultation, and then the the medication in this country, you're looking at about a hundred and twenty dollars a packet, roughly, um, and and each time that you get a new prescription or what would you call it, a refill, um, it's going to cost you another fifty dollars just to get the the prescription to get it, so. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of expense, and in this country, we have something called the NHS. Obviously, where most of the medication is meant to be free—not free, but you're paying for it through through your your taxes. Um, it's not available. There are there are no doctors in this country on that system who will then prescribe uh through through that process. So you have to go private. So it's it's an expensive option in this country. Um, the, there is no, and then to get the support program, um, which we obviously recommend, uh, is very very difficult. In, in Scotland, as far as I know, I'm the only person in Scotland that does anything to do with TSM in the whole of Scotland. And we've got it's not huge compared to the states, but we've got six million people here. And I think in 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 England, I think there's one there's one that I know of, uh, two, two or three people who are offering the service. Um, and again, that all varies depending on, on who they are, but it's it's very, very limited. Um, and it, I don't know, it needs to change. <laughs> it needs to change. So,
0: And you've been doing this for how long now?
1: Uh, three and a half years now. Well, I've, I heard about it four years ago. I started doing research, but I've actually started working with clients three and a half years ago. And we've had probably about 200 clients, uh, just under 200 clients that I've worked with from um, from the initial inquiry right the way through to the when they get to wherever they want to get to in the program. Um, so we, we've worked with a lot of clients through it. And we see a lot of very similar patterns coming right the way through the whole process. Um, and, and a lot of, <clears throat> yeah, I'm still learning lots of things um we're we're having people from all walks and lives and backgrounds professional people non-professional people um heavy drinkers to average drinkers um hard liquor drinkers to wine drinkers to beer drinkers to binge drinkers um and it's it's the same pattern all the time i say to everybody i said if you're 100 compliant with your medication If you keep your Jenny Williamson Excel spreadsheet diary and send it to me every week, we still use it. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, and, And stay in touch with me at least once a week for the first six months. It's a public forum. I can't say exactly what I want to say here, but the success rate is massive.
0: Your recovery journey is uniquely yours. When you have questions or need guidance reaching your goals, there's a TSM coach for you at your Sinclair Method Coaching. Book a coaching session today.
1: Massive. Um, I would love to say it's 70% plus. Um, and there is nothing. Uh, and that's not what we do. It's just the the process, what Dr. Sinclair, all his research showed and found. And when you put it into action, it it works. It, it it's still flabbergasted. Is that a word you use in America? Yeah, <laughs> I'm still absolutely amazed.
0: Flabbergasted yeah. is definitely I'm a, absolutely a, a, a is, well-used yeah. word here in America.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just still just amazed. I, I get a new person and I had a guy just recently, a bottle of, uh, bottle of scotch, you would call it, a bottle of whiskey a day. Um, he's quite happily drinking two bottles of beer two to three times a week. Um, Now, if you take that into the abstinent world or into the rehab centers, all the training we had was when someone's drinking a bottle of whiskey a day, the only option they have is to stop drinking and never go touch the drink ever again. We would then do a full training for the last three weeks that they were in rehab. No weddings, no funerals, no, no, don't go anywhere where there's alcohol, change all your friends, do this, that and another. It's not realistic for most people. Um, this guy is drinking he was at a wedding the other day. He had uh two he had three bottles of beer and the next day and he said, I was surrounded with alcohol. He said, There is no way on this earth that he would have either been drinking a bottle of whiskey or scotch or he would have had nothing. And he said, Either way was not fun. He said it wasn't nice to live that way. He said, Now I can go and have two or three drinks. I'm genuinely not wanting any more. I've no no craving, no white knuckling it. I had a great time. It was a family party, um, and he said I went home. And he said he said night and day that you, you you hear it all the time as well, Jenny. We could sit here all day and just give you story after story after story. Um, it's incredible, incredible.
0: Also incredible is thinking about the fact that three and a half years, a more than seventy percent success rate with over two hundred people and you don't have your peers in Scotland saying what is it that you're doing show me how I can do this too i mean that's i i know how frustrating it is for us when when we're trying to get the word out i mean talk talk about how mind boggling that that must feel
1: i i struggle with it i have to say i i i go from Regularly go from being so angry that I cannot explain how I get so I am fuming and and to the stage where this is criminal that 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 it's not happening. Then you go to the stage where you you I get anger I get you get upset about the whole thing, especially when you then start working with clients on a day to day basis. Um, we've lost unfortunately two clients in in those three years. Um, which is nothing compared to rehab, but it's it's too, too many. Um, so you you hear stories. I've just come off the phone to a guy this afternoon before I came here. Um, bottle of Jack Daniels, two bottles of wine a day. His mother was phoning me up every day and uh, she had to get the police to go around to the house because she didn't know if he was still going to be alive because she, didn't, she was too scared to go around herself. Today um he will drink one one bottle of beer sometimes two two to three times a week and he was a chronic chronic drinker so when you get you get to stage there you you then go to the stage well actually at least it's helped him or it's helped another person or another person or another person so you then go through stages where okay you you get the hope um so you go from every i mean you go right you'll know it better than i do you go from anger you go to hope you go to amazement, incredible. It goes to being really, really sad because you get some people who, who want a solution, but they, they won't stay compliant. And it's like, come on, <laughs> this works. <laughs> um, and the hardest one is people that just don't believe you. And they come on and they think you're a secondhand salesman and you're trying to sell this, that and another. And the, the hardest problem I have with people is trying to undersell the TSM program with some people because you tell them there's a 70 80 percent success rate and they they just laugh you out the door <laughs> so yeah it's, it's a mixture of everything everything and depends on who I'm speaking to I was due to have an appointment um, with a, a what they call a member of parliament here a politician um, about three o'clock today uh, our time about an hour ago and he's got his days his times wrong um, and i'm going to be speaking to him tomorrow so when i'm speaking to him the anger starts to come out <laughs> but you've got to control that with them and say okay listen do you not think it's about time you guys did something <laughs> um and he might do i don't know um so yeah there's a whole range of stuff a whole range of things
0: yeah i find myself um trying to think like um Financial wizards, I might say, sometimes when I'm speaking to people talking about the cost savings, not only of the fact that the Sinclair Method costs so much less than an inpatient rehab stay Mm -hmm. and a detox Mm -hmm. and taking somebody out of their job and out of their family and out of a productive life so that they can recover, and all of those those financial touch points saying, okay, if you don't necessarily care about the success rate, think about saving money. And I hate when I get like that because then I feel like I'm joining in the cynicism, but I'm I'm looking for any of those touch points to actually get get through to someone to say, will you just shut up long enough to read the science and figure out that there's a benefit here?
1: We, we are just, my wife is actually, I've got an office in, in the garden here. My wife is actually in the house right now um, filling out an application form for the army. So the, the like you are saying, the only people who've come to me and said, wow that looks interesting is uh, a charity within the army that look after ptsd and and trauma um, they've come to me and said they can't do the work that they do because they, they'll work with a, uh, uh, an ex-forces soldier um, or whatever for a week or two they then relapse and they can't get enough time with them to to do the work they have to do to, to work with the, the mental health side um, so they, they came to us and they said, listen, how about if you can work with the guys, I explained the whole thing to the, the charity and they said that, and the guy got it straight away. And he said, he said, that is incredible. And he said, the army in the UK or the forces, the, the, the military in this country have a lot of money to give to organizations. So he said, I will write you a letter to the organization that has money. And he said, how much do you need? And I, I gave him the figure. Um, for one salary, I said one person with a, a computer and a mobile phone or just a landline. Um, I, I've been looking after between 40 and 50 clients a, a year roughly, um, probably a b- bit more than that on, on top of that. But say rough, uh, comfortably, sort of 40, 50 clients a year. Now, in a rehab center, um, that's one salary. In the rehab center, you were looking at, like I said, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, ten staff, you'd have thirty people come through the whole center for the whole year. Um, it's it's not, if you give me eight hundred thousand dollars or the equivalent of six, seven hundred thousand pounds in this country, divide that by thirty, forty thousand pounds, I could employ a whole bunch of people. And the, the impact that we could have is is mind the army have got it that the organization i've spoken to have got it and they've said listen we will pilot project if we can get you the funding for the first year and if it works he says there is money all over the army so so we might even move everything beaten. again this is where the funding drives what you do whereas we want to still be open to everybody but for us to continue doing what we're doing we have to have the funding to keep things going so we might initially head towards the 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 military, look after the military guys, to then create until things take off enough that we can then. So I don't know. I mean, there's, but they're the only people that have shown shown an interest. Wow. So.
0: Well, you have <sighs> been doing something quite unique to raise awareness of the Sinclair Method. Tell us about your epic quest to unicycle.
1: Yeah. Stupid idea. Really (laughs) stupid idea. No, it's not. It's it's obviously the longer I'm involved with TSM and the more frustrating it gets that that I my my constant thought in my head is somehow, some way, we have to get the word. I don't I don't want to I'm 55, I'm not looking to build an empire. But what I do know is TSM works and I don't care whether someone else does it in Scotland or there's there's enough. There's enough thing here for 20 organisations to be doing what I do. Um, so whether I do it, we need enough funding for me to keep going and, and have one other person to keep going with it, which we need. But the, the TSM model um, has to be promoted in this country um, and in the States and everywhere else. So long story short, I was trying to find something as crazy as I possibly could to get as much attention. And I saw a YouTube video of an 18 year old that unicycled around the world. And I thought that looks easy. That will get a little bit of attention. I'll try doing that. Um, forgot I was 55. Um, as you can see, I'm not the, the fittest, healthiest guy. Uh, picked up a unicycle January last year, thought it would take me two months to learn. Six months later, I still couldn't do a hundred yards. Um, so anyway, again, another long story short. On September the seventeenth of this year, we have a road called the NC five hundred here in Scotland. It's the it's nowhere near the size of your Route sixty six, but it's the equivalent in Scotland. And it is it's NC five hundred, but it's it's called five hundred because it's five hundred miles. So I'm I'm planning on unicycling five hundred miles purely and simply to get as much attention as I possibly can for TSM. Um, because one thing I've learned here is when a 55 year old man goes around the corner on a unicycle, it gets a lot of attention. <laughs> so I've had a uh, newspaper, I'm hoping to get TV um, and possibly funders and, and possibly lots of other things. But, uh, and the roads here in Scotland or where I live are not flat. They're, they're kind of, Very up and up. So I'm hoping it's going to take three weeks. Um, It's we we I've got to do something. It's the way we're doing it at the moment. I won't go into all. In this country, we're not allowed to advertise on Google. Um, uh, So that's the biggest hardest thing that we have. When people are looking for TSM in this country, they would type in TSM on Google, but we can't advertise so on Google because we use medication. So we have to do something to get the, the awareness out there. So I thought, yep, let's just do something crazy. And it'll probably, I was going to say it won't kill me, but yeah, I don't know if I'll be, be in my full body when I see you next time. <laughs> so yeah, 17th of September, and it should take us about three weeks, hopefully.
0: I honestly can't imagine running across a flat surface on a unicycle. What is it like trying to ride uphill on a unicycle
1: believe it or not question i get all the time it's actually easier on a unicycle than it is on a bicycle and the, the reason for that you've got one wheel and the way when you're going up on a bicycle you're, you're using all your legs your it's leg strength um when you're going up a hill on a unicycle you lean forward until you just about fall off front ways and then what you do is you you correct it by going up the way like that and it flicks the hips and it pushes it, I call it fishtailing, it kind of fishtails up up the hill. So it's actually, it should actually be easier if you get the technique right to go up a hill on a unicycle than it is on a bicycle. So, so the hills aren't the difference. It's, it's keeping the posture on, on the bike for the period to do 30 miles, I need to do 30 miles a day. So That's the hard part. So.
0: <sighs> and you mentioned fundraising. So talk a little bit about the fundraising for this.
1: So yeah, we're we're trying to raise funds, obviously, uh, just to keep our work going. Um, so we have some funding, but we're hoping to raise uh, between ten and twenty thousand pounds. So it's what twelve, thirteen thousand dollars to twenty five thousand dollars across here. Um, if I'm allowed to do it, if you go on Facebook, um, NC five hundred unicycle. Uh, so it's NC, the letters 500, all one word, and then unicycle, NC 500 on Facebook. And we've got donation pages if anyone would love to. But more to, again, if anyone can use it in the States for TSM, share it in the states and, and we can we'll work out how to put an American version up and put the C3 foundation on it or something that you can, they can contact you in the states. but, but yeah, if, if that's a possibility, we can work something.
0: And what is your ideal outcome from this epic adventure?
1: Um, threefold. One is that I get an appointment with the equivalent of the the Scottish we call it the Scottish First Minister. The it's like the Prime Minister or President of of Scotland. Um, Uh, not only to have the meeting, because I know that politicians are very good at having meetings, but to hope that as on the back of that, that there is actually some action that comes as a result of it. So that's the first thing. Obviously, the second thing is to raise the funds um, to keep the service going. And the third thing, obviously, is we're going to meet loads of people on the way around who have friends, family themselves who are struggling. So again, if we can get out there, And if we meet one person on the way around that then gets onto TSM and it saves their life or uh, the children will get a parent back or in Scotland, there are 50,000 and this is just for 6 million people. So you can you can blow it up. It'll be the same worldwide, I would imagine, for the States. But in Scotland, we've got 6 million people, roughly. There are 50,000 people in Scotland who live in a household where one member of the, the parents are struggling with AUD. So it's 50,000 kids. So, you know yourself, the knock-on effect, not only for the individual is hard enough, but then the families and the kids and the parents and the worry and the all the emotional stuff that's never measured that comes with it. If we can help one person, then we'll do it.
0: And what would you say to our audience members out there who might be saying, I can't unicycle 500 miles and I don't have any leverage or contacts, but what can I do to help spread awareness about the Sinclair method?
1: Share it as often as possible and talk to as many people um, uh, as you possibly can. What I always believe that everybody has a sphere of influence of some sort, Um, that there are people that I know that you don't know. There's people that you know that I don't know. And, and everyone knows somebody. So whether it's a doctor, whether it's a, uh, an IT person, whether it's someone who can unicycle, whether it's someone who's good at organizing events, um, somebody that everyone's got a sphere of influence. So all I say to people is is speak to or share, go onto Facebook, share the things. If you're in the States, get as much of the C3 stuff and share it across your pages. Um, do a bit of research into it as well if you're not too knowledgeable about the sinclair method do some research into it and everyone i speak to and you explain it in quite an in-depth way with most people it blows the mind of people because it's like why have i never heard of this this is and it makes very logical sense when it's explained to people so we just need if anyone knows anyone in the media um, if anyone knows anyone that can make films i mean look at one little pill that the influence or TED talks. If you know any connection with TED talks, get people in to do TED talks. Everyone's got that sphere of influence, but it's just being able to say, listen, you know, people I don't know. Someone else knows someone that, that that they don't know. Just by word of mouth, it will get enough momentum and there will be a tipping point where the Sinclair method will tip over. And at that stage, it will just go bump. But it's it's it needs the pioneers like yourselves to... To push through and push through and push through and then when it does explode all the government people will get on board and go oh we made it happen it's like well no actually (laughs) claudia (laughs) and jenny made it happen (laughs) i'm just warning you because that will happen down the track that the government that somebody will take all the credit for you and and you and claudia will be sitting there going actually no hang on it was us (laughs) no well dr sinclair then claudia then and yourselves and and everywhere else so yeah, the joys of being a pioneer—you never get the thanks for doing it. <laughs>
0: well, the thankfully, the thanks is in all the people who are still alive today because absolutely. of the work. So, absolutely, the families that are back together, the better yeah. quality of life. So, those those are those pieces of hope that uh, you know, like you, continue to to drive us on.
1: Hmm. And and it just has to be I I, the the main thing that I've learned from from when I was in the rehab centers, we were taught it was a moral failing. Um I I come from a uh I've got a very strong faith and the, the rehabs I worked in were Christian rehabs. Um and I came from the school of thought that it was a it was a spiritual shortfall. Um I also came from a school of thought that it was a moral shortfall um and in the in the christian world this one goes down like a lead balloon um now that i say it to people uh it is not a spiritual shortfall not is in no shape short there's nothing to do with that it's a neurological condition where the brain is producing too much endorphin and all that naltrexone is doing i i always use the example of i've got epilepsy um and if i went to the doctor and said i'm having too many seizures <clears throat> can you help me and the doctor turned around and said, well, listen, Bruce, stop trying to draw attention to yourself. It's causing your family a lot of issues, having to get you to hospital and look after you. Um, go to your local epilepsy support group and everything will be all right. Now, when I say that to everyone, they laugh. They go, yeah, well, that's, that's stupid. There is no difference to that than AUD. It's it's a neurological condition that needs to, it's completely treatable today. And we need to get that mindset back into that area where it's treated the same as epilepsy or uh, diabetes or asthma or anything where it's a medical condition. It's not a bad person. It's not someone not reading the Bible enough or praying enough or, or anything else. It, no one says that to someone with asthma. <laughs> it's it's someone's got asthma because there's something not right in in the system here. There's a medication to treat it. Then um, you don't go to your local ap- asthma peer support group and in the hope that it's, it's going to disappear. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, I better get off my high horse. There. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be here with us today, Bruce. Um, always love having you on the show.
1: No, Thank you. And again, I genuinely mean that the I've my background was in sales and and marketing, and I, I had a lot of mentors who were actually from America, and they taught me the the, uh, the value of people that pioneer things and the the pioneering. like Dr. Sinclair, I hope one day that he gets the biggest accolade that he ever gets. Um, and closely at the back of that is just is just you and Claudia for the work because none of the rest of the actual workings of things. Would be available. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for what you guys do. Um, So, and I know there's lots of other people around the world as well. So, so thank you for what you do.
0: And thank you for what you do. This TSM quick tip is brought to you by the C3 Foundation with support from our sponsor, Alcure. Claudia, one of the most important things I teach my clients when they're on the Sinclair Method is about setting setting boundaries is so important in recovery because without that you're going to let other people influence your recovery and that's not healthy it is not they absolutely need to tell people that they are not drinking or that they are drinking less that that's what they're trying to do they need to reject invitations that would make it difficult to reduce their drinking and -hmm. they need to be able to surround themselves with people who support their journey
1: and if somebody is pushing you to drink not your friend they're not really part of your healthy recovery.